Jesus, we just thank you for Faz and we thank you for Carol and we thank you for their hearts for Hillsville and for us. Lord, we honour all that Faz has given and for his, the way in which he's loved unconditionally. We thank you, Lord, for his continuous zeal and passion to teach and grow and equip so that people may know you, Jesus, and so that people know family in the kingdom. Amen. Thanks, Nicole. I'm on the clock today. Carol, set your clock for 11.30. I'm going to finish right on the dot. All of you unbelievers, I trust that everybody wants to live at a higher level of faith and everyone wants to have a greater or increased measure of the invasion of the kingdom of God. If you don't, I'm not sure why you're a Christian. If you don't want to see those things. Um, God's plan is, is that heaven... Uh, is the earthly habitation. In other words, heaven needs to come. You sing heaven come, heaven come, I hope you're ready for today. So how many of you would like a great increase in your faith, your ability to access eternal things? Yeah? Just some of you? Why I do this is because an affirmative response is before God. So when I'm asking you if you want that, you're saying to Jesus, I'm in. So are you in? It's really important because I'm about to say something that's going to rattle some of your cages, offend some of you, and uh, please some of you. So we pray this prayer, not my will but yours be done. We pray the prayer, um, our Father who art in heaven, and we don't kind of recite it necessarily, some of us may. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done, let your kingdom come. God does not party with the will of men in any way, in any form and in any shape. God never submits himself to a human institution. Ever. All that has been established has been established by God. And so God doesn't bow down to the will of a man. What God does is set things in place so that all of humanity can progressively come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. His goal is the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, meaning He wants. The full expression of Jesus to be made manifest here. There's only one way that's going to happen. And that's if the Father's will is done. And so whether you like it or not, you must come out from the great Australian culture of nobody's going to tell me what to do. You must come out from under the bondage of that Australian spirit that says no one's going to push me around. I am my own master. If you've become a Christian, you're not your own master. 
You have said, Jesus is my saviour. You've said, he's my, sorry? It's Lord. Do you know what a Lord is? He's not a Scottish guy who's bought a block of land in Glasgow. A Lord is a master, someone who rules, someone who is over, someone who governs and dictates the terms and conditions of the territory he rules. That's us. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among us. So today's message is submission is not an invitation. It's a kingdom requirement. God is not inviting his people to be submitted. He's requiring it. And he's requiring it at multiple levels. Now, you know, I've been through all the stages of Christianity and all the mindsets of, well, Jesus is my Lord, so I'll submit to him. Um, let's just get into it. I won't tell stories. All right, the relationship between submission and faith. Matthew chapter 8, start from verse 5. If you've got a Bible, you'll need to open it because I'm going to throw a lot of Scripture out. And I want, you to, I want you to grab this from Scripture, not from my opinions, because this is not my opinion. This is clearly the Scripture. It's clearly what God requires. He's written about it. He's made it as clear as day. <coughs> there is a relationship between faith and submission. And the two are inseparable. You cannot have functional faith without submission. If you think you do, you're deceived. Faith is not functional without the kind of submission that God calls from us and requires from us. And when I'm talking about faith, I'm not talking about whether or not I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm talking about that ability within a human being to connect the unseen to the, un, to the seen and bring about the purposes and the goals of heaven. Because faith that isn't producing that is not faith. It's mental assent. And in, in your mind you can agree with something, but your heart may never be active in faith. Because faith is never activated until God speaks. If God doesn't speak, there is no faith. And humans have attributed to themselves faith. Well, I believe. Well, if you do, if you actually have faith, faith produces supernatural outcomes. Faith produces eternal outcomes. There's a lot of things that are done in the name of Christianity that produce temporal outcomes that have a little bit of anointing on them. Maybe you've experienced them. Gift and anointing is not the evidence of an eternal outcome. I'll let you chew that one. All right, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralysed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority, sorry, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. 
And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. (coughs) And Jesus heard it. He marvelled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. (coughs) And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed at that same hour. (coughs) Key words. For I am a man. who, like you, (coughs) is under authority. (coughs) Jesus' response to the centurion is that in all of Israel, for all of these centuries and centuries, the people of faith, his people, God's people, who lived and experienced all the incredible, miraculous workings of God, all the sustaining, all the establishing of the nation, all the great victories, those people had a, did not have a faith that compared to this man. This man is a standout. And the one thing that makes him stand out is this, his perception and understanding of authority. It is the first place a Christian needs to go. The first thing you have to work out is authority and your relationship to it. I am also a man under authority. (coughs) Having soldiers under me, I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to one, come, and he comes. (coughs) Having authority is the result of your relationship to authority. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, Jesus has given us all authority. Well, no, he hasn't. See, if I have all authority, then I can go and do what I want. I can walk into a hospital and empty a hospital. I can call down fire and brimstone. I can walk on the water. I can empty the ocean. I can command the earth to be dissolved. So God has not given the church all authority because if he has, his authority is weak and failing. So he hasn't given us all authority. Jesus has all authority. And so right relationship to Jesus' authority is what allows you to operate in authority. Have you ever stood in front of someone and spoken to an illness and the illness looks at you and winks and smiles and giggles and stays right where it is? Jesus never had that problem because everything that was earthly was subjected to his authority when he was present because he had authority over it. So if Jesus has authority over all things, right relationship to his authority brings you into a place where you can exercise a very similar authority. So you need to ask yourself, don't think about the rebellious one. You know, that person you know is always fighting and arguing. How many of you are passive rebels? You know, you know who you are. When someone says stand up, you stand up, but inside you're sitting down. That's called a passive rebel. 
When Jesus heard this guy's response, he said, this is what I'm looking for. This is the kind of person that gets it. This guy perceived that Jesus was under authority. At this point, he didn't know he's the son of God. He doesn't necessarily refer to him as the son of God. But he understands that Jesus is under the authority of God. And he's understood that because of the works that Jesus is doing. Because he understands that he's under the authority of God, he has no question about what Jesus can do. Because he perceives that he's under the authority of God, he knows if you're under the authority of God, then you just speak and that guy's going to be healed. Because he's under the authority of Caesar and his authority is not so good. Because if Caesar tells him to crucify someone, what does he do? This is a guy who was engaged in crucifixions, brutality, dispossession of nations. He's a centurion. If he's commanded to do something brutal, he does it. And yet Jesus commends this guy as having a greater faith than anyone in all of Israel. So you see, you can have really great faith without being a little sweet, good Christian. And we're really offended by that. Anyone ever read the story of Lonnie Frisbee? It's an astounding story of a man who died of AIDS from his immoral lifestyle. Yet one of the most powerful young men in the modern century why was he so powerful? Because God gave him a command and he obeyed it. <clears throat> so your attitude towards authority, I'm uh, sorry, towards submission reveals your understanding of authority, which shows you how well you exercise authority. If you want to understand whether you're submitted or not, look at the authority you exercise. How powerful are you? What kind of authority do you actually have? What manifests from you? Because right relationship to authority releases in you authority. See, Carol's a beautiful woman. Stand up and wave so you can say hi. But she's never more beautiful than when she's not contentious. It's true. A woman is never more beautiful than when she's not contentious. Am, am I womanizing? Am I putting women down? No. If you want, let me, let me move on. I'll, I'll pause here. I'll let you boil on that one for a minute. Hebrews 11 verse 6. The relationship between faith and all things heavenly. Faith, uh, but without faith it is, in, uh, 11 verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those 
who diligently seek him. No faith, no pleasing of God. No trusting God, no pleasing of God. Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith or trust is the unseen activity that reaches through the veil that separates the unseen and the seen to allow you to bring the unseen into the scene. Did you get that? No? Faith is the capacity or the ability, the trust that creates the ability to reach through the veil that lies between the unseen and the seen. You understand? You can't see the unseen, right? Are there angels in the room? You believe so? Can you see them? No. There are things going on in heaven that are not happening in the earth. Yes? How do you get those things from heaven to the earth? We think we pray and then God does them. That's not how it happens. We pray, we hear, we believe, we respond and the veil is breached. And the unseen is made manifest in the scene. Healing. If you want someone to be healed of a sickness or disease, you have to access the unseen. Jesus has purchased by his death on the cross access to healing. Yes or no? We agree? All right. Why isn't it here? Why isn't healing present continuously? Why, aren't, why don't you just, why isn't it manifesting in the Christian's body constantly? Why is any Christian sick at all? Because faith accesses the unseen. It's you reaching into, if you like, another dimension, the dimension of the unseen. You're reaching into the realm of heaven and you're pulling out of there what Jesus has provided to bring it into the natural. And so when, you're, when someone is needing healing, healing is being provided by Jesus. Well, how do you get it? How do you get that healing and pull it into the reality of your present? Well, it happens by faith. And faith is trusting God. So if we're going to have faith, then our faith is a or an expression of the trust of God. So if we trust God, then we should have no problem with submission. So if God tells you to do something, why don't you do it? Well, I do. Are you sure? How many of you think that God may have told you to do something and you delayed your response? How do you think maybe you're still delaying your response? That's called a lack of submission. How many of you were ever told to do something by your parents and you argued? That's called a lack of submission. Submission. 
nothing of heaven's provision can be accessed any other way than by faith. It doesn't matter how many conferences you have. It doesn't matter how many songs you sing. It doesn't matter how many days you fast and pray. You cannot access anything in heaven until there's faith. And faith doesn't come from you. It doesn't originate in you. It's not activated by you. Faith is activated by God speaking. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By the way, this is my Bible, believe it or not. The Bible is not the word of God. It's not. It's the Holy Scriptures. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the? Was the Bible in the beginning? No, it wasn't. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became a book. No. The Word became? And we beheld him. So the the Word of God is a person. It's not a book. I love the scripture, but it's not the word of God. Jesus himself is the word of God. When God speaks, when Christ is expressing himself, faith is ignited. There's an opportunity for you to partner with faith and bring about the purpose of God. But that faith is non-existent unless Jesus is speaking or communicating the Father's will in the heart of the Father. Because nothing can be done and nothing can be accomplished unless the Father's will is at the centre of it. (coughs) All anxiety is rooted in a lack of faith or trust and exposes an inferior understanding or relationship to authority. All anxiety, all fear, is a manifestation of a lack of understanding of the authority of God and our relationship to it. If Jesus says, Paul, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? Well, yeah, but... Maybe, maybe what? Jesus doesn't love you? Maybe Jesus doesn't care about you? Maybe somehow he's kind of forgotten about you? Maybe he's overlooked you? Maybe he doesn't care about your circumstances? All anxiety and fear is rooted in lack of understanding and relationship to his authority. Does he have all authority? Does he have all authority? Turn to the person next to you. Go and look at the person next to you, even if they're a stranger, and let them know this. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. So what are you worried about? It's a really important question. 
really, really important question to ask yourself why you're worried. Do not fret because it only leads to evil doing. Worry and fear will only lead you to act outside of the will of God. Faith is the only place you can act according to the will of God. You cannot act in the will of God by being led by anxiety and fear. So it works like this. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God speaks. Obedience must follow. If God speaks and it's not followed by obedience, the kingdom of heaven does not come. Kingdom of God is not manifest in disobedience. Something else is manifest in disobedience. Do you know what it is? Anyone? You know what's manifest in disobedience? (laughs) (laughs) The will of any other than God manifests the power and the works of Satan in the earth. Any activity that is generated among the will of men outside of the will of God manifests the kingdom of darkness and leans into the rule and the works of Satan. That's why this whole thing is such a mess. Was Satan permitted at any point to touch Jesus? Just one. Just one. The point that Satan was permitted to touch Jesus when Jesus said, what you must do, do it quickly. When Jesus surrendered himself to the betrayal of Judas. Jesus surrendered himself to the betrayal of Judas. And Judas had been possessed by who? Satan. So it wasn't really Judas that Jesus was talking to when he said that. Who was he talking to? He's talking to Satan. What you must do. I don't mean you're Satan, Cindy. What you must do, do it quickly. He was telling Satan, it's time. Do what you're going to do. And so Satan's activity against Jesus began because Jesus permissioned him. Prior to that, Satan could not touch Jesus. Jesus saying to Pilate, you could do nothing unless my father has permissioned it so. The only way that could happen is because Jesus was totally and completely surrendered to the father's will. Jesus was the most submitted man history will ever record. So who submits? Well, you've got to be excellent in obedience. I don't know what it is that you're striving for in your Christianity, but you should strive to be excellent in obedience. Because Jesus was excellent in obedience. To the point where they killed him for his obedience. He was excellent in his obedience. Excuse me. This is what happens when you stay up late with Christians. Who submits to who? We like to submit to God, right? Because he loves us and he's nice and he's sweet and he's kind and he's my friend. 
I like to submit to those kind of people until he disagrees with me. Submission is never tested in the course of agreement. Submission is always tested in the contest of a will. So it means when you disagree, you now find out if you're submitted. So do we ever disagree with God? Uh Uh-huh. All the time. We disagree with the scripture. We disagree with Jesus. We disagree with the voice of God. We do it all the time. Some, many times we're not aware that we're doing it. Because we have a will. We have passions. We have desires. And so when the Lord is beckoning us to do something, to take us out from our own will, our own desires, our own self-exaltation, our own praise, our own acceptance, all the things that we're pursuing, when the Lord begins to speak that stuff into us, we just don't go, okay, let's do that then. Inside, there's a wrestle and there's a fight begins. And that wrestle and the fight is there because of old Uncle Adam and it's there because of the way we've been raised as children. Submit to God. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. Not resist the devil. It's submit to God. See, if you want to beat Satan, and I'm good at beating him, really good at it. He knows it, I know it. But there's only one reason I'm good at beating Satan, because he's not fighting with me. I get in the cage with the gorilla. What? 15 minutes. No, it's 11.30. I got it. You just submit, all right? (laughs) Gee, that time went fast. Submit to God, resist the devil. If you want to overthrow Satan, if you want to have effectiveness in dealing with the demonic and casting out demons, you must be submitted to God. How do you submit to God? Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That means there is no more room for self-exaltation in the church. There's no room for self-promotion. And there is no room for jockeying and butting heads and it's just Jesus gets to make the call. And he does it with those who are humbling themselves, not those who are pushing themselves forward. Submit to church governance. This is the big one. Well, it's kind of the second big one. Submit to church governance, your leaders. Is it biblical? You be the judge. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, strong. Let all that you do be done in love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such, and to everyone who works and labours with us. Paul's expectation was that the churches that he was planting, that anyone that he sent or anyone that 
was labouring with Paul that those people would live a life of submission to the leaders and the labourers that he sent among them. Now, 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. <clears throat> Who's the younger people in here? I am. Is there anyone here over 59 years old? I'm a younger. <clears throat> Submit yourself to your elders. It's not talking about to the people, just to the people who are older than you. It's, it's referring to those who are in a place of authority. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. Ha ha, there you go, right? We can just submit to one to another. Be closed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride and humility are measured by submission in the face of God, in the eyes of God. If you want to know how humble you are, measure it by the level of your submission. It's really simple. And this is the final of it, but I'll finish on this particular bit with this. Hebrews 13 verse 17. It gets very clear. Obey your leaders and submit to them. All right, just in case you have some theological arguments. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Well, why? What if they're wrong? Well, it's likely they will be at some point. Well, how do you obey someone who's wrong? Well, because God said to. You see, if you submit to someone in leadership and they make a mistake, guess who gets protected and who doesn't? Guess who gets the discipline and who doesn't? See, the kingdom of God has no provision for anyone to resist authority anywhere. There is no room in the kingdom of God for any form of rebellion at all, any form of resistance to authority. And we, well, maybe God hasn't put that authority in place. Well, we'll settle that in a minute. <clears throat> Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls and will give an account for their work. Let them do this with joy, not complaints, for this will be of no advantage to you. Leaders have been given a responsibility to watch over your soul. And if you want your soul watched over well, you'd be best to submit to your leaders. I haven't done a lot of things that well in my Christianity, but the one thing I have done very well is submission to my leaders. I have always been and have never rebelled against leadership, ever. For one reason, my arch enemy is a rebel. <coughs> Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, ladies, I want to get out of here alive, all right? <coughs> So I want you to understand this is not my opinion and this will help you understand what I said earlier. This is the scripture and it's clear. Right? Now I understand that in cultures and in a culture, <coughs> cultures of the world that have suppressed and squashed and walked all over women and shut them down and told them to shut up and be silent in the church and all that other stupid stuff, that this seems very offensive. But you have to understand this in the context that God has given it. The context of this is in the church. 
where there isn't meant to be any abuse and treading down and crushing. That men and women are equal in Christ and all things are the same. And the, the authority given here is an, is an authority of priority, not inferiority. Women are not asked to submit because God deems them inferior to men. Oh, please. But it's a priority of authority. The same as any authority has a priority. It doesn't mean you have to be, the person leading you has to be more gifted or smarter or more powerful or a better theologian than you. The priority of authority is God choosing someone to be in a place of authority or a place of leadership based upon his choice because he knows the future and we don't. And so being the best theologian, being the most gifted, being the most powerful should never endear you to a point at the top. The great failure of the church is to stick anyone who has superior authority, uh, superior, superiority of theology at the top of the heap. Well, that's a mistake. Jesus had no leader working with him that wasn't appointed by the Father. So Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands. Oh, I've got to speak through this. As to the Lord, please submit to your own husbands, not submit to men. My wife doesn't have to submit to any man except. And what a beautiful man she has, right? Does she have to? It's up to her. I don't quote this scripture to my wife. This scripture doesn't belong to me to give to my wife. It's for her. Notice God says in the scripture, it says, wives. When a husband butts in and says, you need to submit to me. Shut up, husband. That is not written to you. It's written to her. You'd be best paying attention to the ones that tell you what you should be doing, mister. Unless you want to put a dress on and swap places. And that's not a bad offer. I've offered that to my wife many times, but she doesn't want it. She would rather deal with me than deal directly with the one that kicks me around when I'm mistreating her. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In one place it says, for even Sarah called Abraham Lord. I said to Carrie, you can call me Lord anytime. I'm okay with that. I mean, it feels good. But being a Lord, being someone in authority over someone in no way gives you the right to lord it over them. And the way that we've conducted authority in the churches is so much of lording it over people and squashing them and parental control and treating adults like children. That's not how God's authority works. God's authority works by servitude. I serve my wife, ask her. She's not the servant in my home. There's no bands of slavery on her. I'm the servant in this relationship and she knows it. So it's easier for her to submit to that. But if I'm the bully, it makes it very hard for her to obey Jesus, don't you think? So <clears throat> for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be subject to their own husbands. Five minutes. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Okay, It's the scripture, girls. Don't love me. Don't hate me. Love me. 
I'm just trying to be a messenger here. If you've been abused, get healed. Okay? If you have a man who is brutalizing you, bring it to the pastors. All right? If you're being physically abused, get out of the marriage. All right? Submission doesn't permission anyone to abuse you. Right? Submission calls for servitude in the body of Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme, to governors or those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who, who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence ignorance of foolish men. That, along with Romans 13, all authority is from God. And anyone who resists the authority resists God and draws judgment to themselves. Well, what if, you know, well, that's talk, Romans 13 is talking to civil government. It doesn't matter if it's talking to civil government, all authority. All through Scripture deals with this issue of authority and right relationship to it. Servants submit to your masters. Let's, let's say employees submit to your employer, even if they're mean. Don't fight them. Don't resist them. Romans 13 is very clear. If you resist authority, resistance of authority is here. It's in here. And many of us grow up and things that happen in family, we develop contempt for authority. It's very common in our country. And that contempt simply breeds rebellion. And the spirit of rebellion is the foundation of our nation. You ever heard of the rum rebellion? We've been rebels from the beginning. We've been telling people to go and jump from the start. And something needs to be different in the kingdom of God. We can't be there. The cost of rebellion is drinking judgment or bringing judgment upon yourself. I'll finish on this. Has the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. This is Samuel talking to Saul. And Saul was given a command and he wasn't given the command by God directly. He was given the command by a messenger from God named Samuel. And when Saul half obeyed, what he was given to obey, God deemed it as rebellion. Here's, here's, here's the end of this. There are a lot of things that Christians are chasing they will never get because of this attitude that exists in the heart. There are a lot of things that we have lost and cannot redeem because not everything is redeemable. There is lost time. There is lost gifts. There is 
things in the past we will never experience because of our rebellions and our lack of obedience. And God views our disobedience to earthly authorities as disobedience to him. What if I'm in a church and the leadership is abusive? You have permission to consult with Jesus and seek an exit visa. But you don't have permission to rebel. You don't have permission to resist. Why is if your husband is not loving you as Christ loved the church, you do not have permission to fight him. You have permission to bring that before Jesus and the council of his leaders. You see, if we all do that, what's going to be the result? Accountability. Submission one to another. And the authority of God then is made manifest. Carol and I see a lot of miracles and signs and wonders and thousands of people who come to Christ. But it's not because I'm gifted. It's not because I'm brilliant. It's because I'm always submitted and I do not rebel. You can have a conversation with Carol. Her favourite word for me on a daily basis is, you're an idiot. And I say, that's true. It's all done in fun because she knows me. It's not because... I'm this great, wonderful, fantastic person that God does things. It's one reason. In Indonesia, if Dado says to me, I want you to do this, and I disagree with it, I say, well, I don't know about that, Dado. And he goes, that's what we've decided needs to be done. Then I go, okay. And it falls to him, not to me. If I resist him then it falls to me. And I've learnt this. Even when a leader is wrong, God will never honour you over him in rebellion. Ever. If you resist a leader, even when he's wrong, God will honour him above you in his wrongness. It's just who he is. Because he places authority and the honour and respect of that authority before everything. I had so much more I would like to share on that. Because it's almost impossible to share this message without offending some. And I get it. I grew up in an abusive home, a violent abusive home, terrible parents. I went to a high school where the headmaster thought he was Adolf Hitler and his staff were like the SS. It was, I was brutalised at school. <coughs> so by the time I'd hit the world, I was a raving rebel. I meet Jesus and the first thing he teaches me is, no matter what you do, always submit to the leaders I give you to. So here's what happens when you resist and fight an authority. You're saying to Jesus, 
you gave me to these leaders or you led me into this job or you are over our marriage, but you don't know what you're doing, so I need to take charge. That's what it means. See, if Jesus sent you to this church, it means that the leadership and the process of this church is the best he's got for you right now. And if he has something better for you, he will lead you elsewhere. But if you're led elsewhere by your rebellion, believe me, it will follow you. And you will live a dry life and you will not have the outcomes you're looking for and you'll be frustrated in the process. You see, God has decided that the church is his redemption centre in the earth. And every one of us can access everything that's been provided in heaven. But it comes at a cost. came at a cost to him and it comes at a cost to us. It doesn't cost us that it's there. It costs us to access it because we have to come into a place to have the same mind that was in Christ who became a servant. Even to the point of obeying unto death. I don't think that living in obedience here is going to bring you to death. But it's going to bring some death to your will, to your stubbornness, to that need to protect yourself because of the fear and anxiety of being hurt or controlled or manipulated. See, no one can control me unless I give them permission to. And if I give them permission, they're not controlling me. See, if I was in this church, if I was a member here, I would submit to them happily. In fact, when I'm here, I do. So here's what I want to do today. We want rebellion to be destroyed, yes? You see, you don't need it. Are you contentious? Are you contentious in your home with your husband? Are you contentious with your wife, gentlemen? Are you contentious with your boss? Or is your boss look at you and go, man, I love this guy. He's such a joy. He just always does what I ask him to do. Do you know as a boss how, how like heaven that is? To have an employee that's like that? Do you know how heaven it is to be a pastor and have congregation members like that? And I, I, I was, I've been a pastor and I've been set free, but <clears throat> I've, done the, I've done the yards and the greatest joy I've ever had in pastoring a church was having people that weren't resisting, who were, were surrendered and yielded. And those people were really easy for me to trust and lay my life before because I don't want to lay my life before someone who's ready to stab me in the face. Right? All right. Why don't you close your eyes? It's not a command, it's an invitation. Where's the music team? Do you want to come on up here? I've asked the guys to just sing this song. It's not a song about submission, it's just about Jesus and who he is. I will 
we might end up calling some people down the front. But let's just start right where you are, between you and Jesus. Just close your eyes. Just run through your life because you know the condition of your own heart. You know it better than your, your spouse does. You know it better than anybody does other than Jesus. You know your heart. Don't try to persuade yourself today. Just be deeply and brutally honest about your own heart. Have I resisted authority? In my heart, am I so trusting of Jesus that I'm not trying to protect myself from people? Am I trusting enough of Jesus that I can be told no by someone in authority over me? A good friend of mine in the early days of the vineyard said this to me, you will never be the man of miracles you long to be until you learn to have someone in your life who can say no to you. And I don't like it when people say no to me. We must learn to accept no in our life. You all have problems with your children when they say no to you. And Jesus is exactly the same with his children. Our Father isn't happy when we're saying no to him and we're saying no to his representatives. Because we need to humble ourselves. Because humility, faith and submission are interwoven. I get it. There's a lot of reasons why we don't trust there's plenty of abuse of authority in the world from parents to school to everywhere but Jesus' position is I understand what you've suffered but I'm still not going to give you permission to resist authority what I will do is give you the opportunity to bring to me whatever has caused rebellion in you in the first place and give it to me and humble yourself humble your heart so that I can have my way in you and with you and then my heaven is coming so with the eyes closed you and Jesus just going to sing this song and do some business with Jesus in a minute we'll call a few people